Howdy CEOs and welcome to Pair Talks Prana, a prosperous universe podcast aimed at delivering you a little bit of entertainment, some knowledge and insight into the happenings of the prosperous universe universe. I'm your host C-Pair and today we have a fantastic episode. Unfortunately, because of Canadian Thanksgiving, it was a little bit delayed. Um, scheduling conflicts, our guests scheduling conflicts, all this stuff. Uh, it's fun stuff, but we got Lex on the air here today. And with us as well is, Kiriam, if I'm correct, you are, um, you're an applicant to Nascent uh, Mercantile. Is that correct, our corporation? Yes, I am. Nice, nice. When did you, uh, when did you join uh, the like application and all that? Because you... Um, you you started around May, correct? And then so when yeah. did you join the application process? Like what what kind of was the uh, maybe the the leap off point for you? Like okay, finally I want to get kind of active inside a corporation. Like what was those kind of like? Just connect the dots for me in terms of so, like the need recognition. St- yeah, <laughs> I started in May as a ration farmer and drink water producer in the Horta system, and then I got I got my base running, everything is working all right and then just looking at what should i do next the obvious option is just expand the current base because that's just what i do it's a fertile planet uh, if i were to branch off into any other planet i would have to completely start a new production line of something else and then just said yeah what can i do uh what can i do about the food i've got and so i've thought about just joining a corporation then just been looking for one that is interesting and active and then I found nascent mercantile of the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Glad to see that the podcast is actually doing something. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's fantastic. So I know we kind of just already kind of alluded to it, but uh, Kiriam, so before the podcast, we were kind of chatting about your current base setup. Can you just let the listeners know sort of what's, so you started back in May and what's sort of your base setup right now? What are you producing and, and how are things going in that direction? So I, I'm currently, I currently have a base that's just producing rations and drinking water as it's been offered also uh, agricultural products and water, of course. Uh, the base has, it's about, I think, a thousand pioneers by now. Um, a thousand uh, a day? Not, yeah, no, no, a thousand pioneers as the workforce. So like for consumption, and everything, and it's producing probably 200, 300 rations or and drinking water a day. Okay. Um, so what's your base setup exactly? Do you have farms currently on the base? Yeah, I've got, it... I've got farms and, uh, food process on the base. Okay, but I've got I've got a bit more food processing than farms just for the drinking water production. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And so we were kind of chatting earlier about this, but like so, and you you sort of alluded to it about the fact that you said you don't need feel the need for a second base. Now, what exactly is that definition of need? If if you could just kind of guide us through that. I mean. There is not really a financial incentive for me to have a second base right now because I'm focused on agriculture. And for me to have a second base, I would need need to have a fertile planet, which are pretty rare. So I'm just sticking with my current base. And if I were to build another base uh, without a fertile planet, I would have to either use hydroponics, which are expensive, or I would have to use and get into into an entirely different sector, which also costs more money to set up up front. And why does it cost more money to set up front? Like, what are you talking about with that? Mm, like, if I were to like get into another sector, I would have to probably get technicians and settlers as well, which take more consumables, more complex consumables, which also cost more. Uh, to a certain degree. I mean, I think about like some of the other starts that are out there in the world of the universe. Like, there's like, so Lex, you're on, you're currently on Demios, right? You're producing BFABs. Yes, I just started uh, BFAB production this week, in fact. Oh, did you? How's that going? Yeah. Well, I'm now using the BFABs to build up the rest of the base, which is kind of cool. Uh, so I have a funny little story, of course, you know, made the newbie mistake of being short of permit, so I had to rush off to my base and supply it with materials. And then I went back to Demos and loaded it. But yeah, so far, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm used to a simpler production, frankly. I'm used to really easy fuel production and relatively easy fem production. Uh, manufacturing the BFABs is, is requiring quite a few more things going on on the planet, but uh, I think I've sort of started to figure it out. Well, that's good. It's kind of funny, too, because um, you mentioned <laughs> it's like a self-constructing base. <laughs> it's like you're you're building the BFABs that you consume to, to build the base, essentially. Yeah, I'm about 30 BSEs short of um, essentially having the full base, and that's what I'm producing. So just as those things crank out, I will uh, fill in the base and have all the things that are going to be part of it. It's like 477 total size once I'm done. So that's not bad. I don't, I don't like the daily profit on it, but I do like the manufacturing capability. It, it's I made a tactical decision to move away from trying to maximize profit and instead try to improve one of my chains to get into something that did a lot of other useful things as opposed to necessarily getting a lot of instant profit. And BFAB production, even though it's, I can make more money with the same size bases with other things, uh, this one has got more of a stable, produce something that I can clearly use and sell to other players kind of thing. To me, it, it's part of the long-term plan of having a way of supporting corporate operations. But well, and that was I've kind got... of our initial chat, I, if yeah. I remember correctly, was sort of like, that was our initial inception, right? Was it was like, oh, like this is... Because one of the things we were chatting about, if I'm correcting if I'm wrong here, Alex, as a corporation, but we were talking about how, um, how expensive like the planetary projects were going to cost. It was like 4.5 million just for the planetary, just to construct these projects. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember that that got us really thinking about other approaches, which I think have turned out to be much more approachable for everybody involved. But you know, it, it is interesting because yes, I, the, the, we have more and more people in the corporation who can get us to those things it just felt like we needed to fill in a step. So instead of rushing to some other potentially more profitable things, which was my instinct, I decided to just go ahead, get a manufacturing capability in place, generate the products, and then have it there for either my own use or for the rest of the corporation. Push comes to job, I still make money on it, so it's not a bad deal. Now, Curium, you were talking a little bit about your concerns logistics-wise. Now, I'll tell you right now, because as somebody that actually does do settler projects, I wish Bed was here, because Bed is actually one of our guys in the corporation that does actually work with technicians as well right now. Um, so I, it'd be interesting. I know I've kind of chatted with him about this earlier, but like tech, the technician market is kind of hit or miss in terms of consumables. Like There's some days where he can get consumables, and there's other days where he can't. So it's not as strong as a market right now. Um, which limits a lot of people. That's, I think, a huge limit, right, for a lot of people is that they're like, oh, I'd like to get into engineers or I'd like to get into technicians or scientists or what have you not, but it's just kind of like before I do any of that, and that's really where I'd say that proverbial wall is, right, that people are hitting, where it's sort of like, oh, I'd like to expand and, and do X, Y, Z thing, but I can't because it's not so much that the technicians or engineers don't exist, it's that if they did exist, I wouldn't be able to find the consumables for them, right? I'm actually going to get at some of, I think, the core reasons for that during the water cooler segment. It's definitely a reality that the market is very thin on a number of levels. And what's there clearly are corporations and individuals that specialize in that in that and try to provide it to the overall market. But it's definitely not a particularly liquid market. You can't reliably rely on things and some weird things like you can end up uh, even tech you know tier two repair kits can end up not there not even something that's particularly complicated can end up short so it, it's definitely a problem in terms of going into those higher levels of just being able to support it it in some senses that's what the produce and uh, producer purchase questions eventually i think want to get into once i feel comfortable in that space is it's just how do you handle those mid-range you know, problems? Are, do, is there a market for it? And if there's not, what do you do? You know, I think that's a real question. Well, and it's interesting too, because like one of the things that we sort of <laughs> found out as a corporation, especially was sort of like, oh, okay, we want to go into shipbuilding, right? And 
But in order to go into shipbuilding, we need to figure out how to produce these consumables first. These consumables that that might be produced already, but not in the quantities that we might need them. And in the, mm, dare I say, stability, right? That's, I think, the big thing is not so much maybe quantity as much as stability, right? That it might like that there might be too much demand and just not enough supply on the on the market right now, which is unfortunate, but um so curian back to uh i know we kind of got sidetracked there but back to your uh kind of point about starting a first base now lex actually i wanted to ask you before, <laughs> before anything else because curian you brought up about like logistical challenges right that like you know that there would be logistical challenges between you know starting a base halfway across the galaxy now i've not found that but lex maybe you can speak to it a little bit more because i know that you are what do you ship currently? Because that must be quite an undertaking in terms of legit. Like you can't ship a lot of your like a lot of the consumables you or um, the commodities you consume. Correct. Actually, kind of interesting. Uh, it's been evolving as my ships have gotten busier and busier. So Katoa, at this point, I have kind of two things I do there. I have a regular supplier of hydrogen. I make the other on-site components that I need to create SF. I have a ship that goes there, drops off consumables. Then I pick up a load of fuel and then I ship it off to Atari's and sell it, use that to make some product. Then I buy all the consumables. I ship those off to Harmonia. I'm probably going to add a Demos stop. So it'll be Demos, Harmonia, and then Katoa. And what I'm running into now is I'm having to sell the fuel more and more through alternate sources. So we've had a member of our corporation who flies a lot of ships and he's starting to buy the product. So I'm giving him a discount on it. So I'm getting to the point where Katoa is essentially running on other people's business, not even my own shipping, uh, with the exception of the fact that I still bring in the consumables. And that's pretty much it. Demos I haven't figured out yet. That's pretty new. I suspect that what I'm, I'm going to keep one ship to kind of do other things and then one ship that's going to run a rotation and supply the bases is where I'm currently at in the design. And I was fairly careful to pick locations where I could, I, I keep about 10 days supplies at a time. So I do, you know, it's one of those things where it takes about a week and a half for the full rotation. And I try to keep enough food and supplies to get through all that. And that's kind of how I'm handling right now. And I wouldn't be able to move the fuel and the volumes that would make it easy to operate without a ship. So I'm having to rely on contracts to the CXs and selling to other players. Uh, the the FIM production, that's small enough that I can hire a shipper, which is essentially what I do. BFABs, I haven't figured out yet. So that's kind of my story. So, but what are you what are you shipping uh, to Demios? Like if so, if Curium were to come... You're speaking to Kirium now, Lex. If Kirium were to come and set up a Demios tomorrow, what are like the logistical challenges you're currently facing at Demios? Because I feel like, like you're you're extracting limestone? Question mark. No, like, what are you extracting? No, it, what are you aluminum. shipping? It's aluminum. So okay, the way I've set the base up, and there are some potentially more dollar value, but you you'll find, and this is I'm far more interested in solving logistics problem than the finance problem. That's just become my approach to all these things. And so my current requirements are I need consumables and I need to ship in limestone. All the other intermediary parts, I've built a base able to produce enough of them. So I, I create the base aluminum. Now, this, this is for doing two of the four types of BFABs. A couple of others are going to require shipping in base parts. So B, B, BSEs and BBHs can be done with just limestone and the aluminum I'm producing. BDs will require bringing in PG, which I have not done, but if I need those, I'll ship the PG in. And a glass is needed for BTAs on the case that I do that. And of course, if I want to do any of the LBs, I can do that also by shipping in the underlying components. But for the most part, consumables, and then I have aluminum, which I produced with my own internal network, uh, which basically I've got to have the incinerators. Essentially, I farm the carbon, incinerate, I have the water production, and it basically is smelted into the aluminum. That's really, that avoids the logistics problem of trying to carry all the aluminum and limestone and buy self, which is really the challenge with that. So I, I decided to put those things on planet and be basically a consumables 
uh, production facility to the point where long term I think the next big need for me is probably a consumables production because that's I'm spending a lot of my time just running consumables around to find <laughs> the market. So potentially if I if yeah like which yeah potentially go to Etherwind or something like that but uh, come over to Etherwind we'll... we got cookies. <laughs> exactly. So it, it will be so that's kind of where I'm at, right? Is that, and I picked Demos for I think the same reason a lot of people pick it. It, it's a natural place to do BFABs. It's very close to CX. It's got aluminum on-site production. It's got the ability to produce the smelting, so you could smelt aluminum on-site, which is nice. It simplifies one of the complicated parts of the chain. So that's why I'm doing it there. So, Curian, back to you then. So what? You kind of alluded to it earlier, but what sort of uh, there was a lot, there's a lot of alluding going on here tonight. <laughs> um, uh, what what logistical challenges do you see uh, yourself facing necessarily? If I were to if I were to, to expand, um, yeah, if I were to expand uh, to another like arable planet where I could actually do agriculture then that would be pretty far away because there aren't a lot of planets where you can do that. So I would have long travel distances, which wouldn't be bad if it's just producing uh, like food because it can, self, it can sustain itself on its own food and water. So you wouldn't have to ship that much. But as soon as I were to do other things like uh, BFABs or just like construction granular, which is pretty profitable, at least in uh, Hortus, because most people there need that and don't produce it. Um, then I would have to ship a lot of things, and especially the things for construction granulate and BFFs are extremely heavy with the iron and the limestone. But if you heard Lex earlier, he was kind of saying that he doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong here, Lex, but you don't, right? The only ship thing you ship is the consumables, right? Well, I do have to bring in limestone. Okay. But but in limited quantities. Hmm. Interesting. And, and so that's, how much that's limestone do you bring head... in a day kind of thing? Or like a week? So it needs to, to run uh, BSCs, I'd need 28. If I want to run, uh, let's see here, uh, BBHs run a little bit less. Um, I haven't figured, P PG is a little bit lighter. But if I want to run BSC production, that's, that's a little under 30 a day for four pp2s at the current efficiencies i'll need more as i get better uh, experts because i'm new to the planet but uh yeah so that and that ends up being you know it runs in right under 100 tons a day which is more is than a I full would base like. yeah Really? Okay. Wow. That's why I took a loan. That's why I took a loan out. <laughs> that's, that's that's the whole reason I went into the loan. It's like might as well just do this. It, yeah. The the thing about the manufacturing was is that it was kind of either it didn't make a lot of sense to do anything less than a full base. I just a partial base just didn't make any profit, and there were so many missing pieces. A full base was really the thing to do here for me. So that's why I went out and reached out for a loan. I'm like, this is just the most efficient thing. Get the full base. Uh, the only thing missing right now is I need I need about 40 BSEs to get everything in place, but I'm actually producing those. So fairly soon, I'll have filled out all the missing components and I'll have the fully established base in a couple Interesting. of Interesting. That's fascinating. So 100 tons, and you just have one ship that does that back and forth, right? Like, so you go from... So if I'm getting you, you go from... Demio, like you go from Antares to Demios to uh, Harmonia? Is that kind of your route? The idea is Antares, Demos, Harmonia, Katoa, and back. I just do a four-way. Oh, wow. Loop. Yeah. It's, it's, With one ship or keeps, two? One ship. And that keeps the second ship open for opportunities, which it ends up doing other things like building a second base or supplying materials or taking advantage of arbitrage across the market. It, it's... It's just where I'm at right now in terms of I, I wanted to try to do at least three bases on one ship and make it manageable. The truth is I could send it back and I could ship fuel with it all day and I'd be fine because I, I make enough fuel that I could almost need that. I, I desperately need a glass ship because there's just so much fuel being moved but uh, or a much bigger tank, which may be the next thing to do. But yeah, right now the idea is to keep it with uh, basically try to do it with one ship. I... 
I'm very much a financial profit is less important than logistics person to me. Like I can solve the finances, but if I can't solve the logistics, I'm gonna it's gonna be a mess. So I, oh, I really now of course you could you know with a lot of money you could try to buy a ship and solve it. But to me, I'm actually building up less based on my financial capability, though that's a limitation, uh, and more based upon my ability to logistically supply and manage it like i as much as i'd like to build consumables in the space i'm running there's no good planet besides harmonia and harmonia is poor fertility so it's it's questionable and it was a water cooler person they like just don't don't make food in the antari space it's just a bad idea so there is an argument that i may i may just continually just source my consumables externally. And that may be my big shipping requirement for a long time. Hmm. Interesting. We'll you know figure what? it out as we go. You know what, Kiriam? One base that I think okay, if I had to if I had to tell you, because I was telling Lex this earlier, one base in particular that is, in my opinion, probably the most beginner friendly planet in the game. Dead serious. Like if I had to make a video about this right now, I would make it about Etherwind. Etherwind is probably one of the easiest planets to run because um, all you need to do is you set up food processors with so you get rigs you get food processors actually I can pull up the printer and I can actually I can actually show you what what's kind of cooking underneath the hood but essentially what you do with it right is then you're producing drinking water on like a massive scale like you're producing yeah, so much drinking water and the cool thing about that though Kiriam is the fact that um when you do that, I'm just pulling it up right now. When you do, so I'm producing right now, I'm producing about 644. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I got the right math. Yeah, so I'm producing about 644 units of drinking water, and I consume about 44 rations and five overalls a day. So, right there, it, it's quite a good profit maker. I make about like on if I were to pull up Benton market prices on this jazz. Uh, I make about 38,000 a day. So 38,000 a day. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty decent. And really talking about logistical challenges here, they're like, oh, water and water is like a problem. So you can either ship the water. You can ship it if you want to, if you want to do it that way, go, go crazy. You can do it that way. But I decided to do rigs and food processors. So under that, it costs the base itself to, to upgrade all the way to, to a full base costs about 600,000. So 600,000 for the full meal deal, you produce 22 rigs. So 22 rigs, 12 food processors that produces you 644 drinking water. All you need to do is ship the rations, the overalls, and you're good. You don't need to ship the water. You actually have a surplus of water. So you have to ship that back to some component, but it really is just a fantastic moneymaker base. Like it just is such a like fire and forget kind of base. Like, and yeah. the thing you might be like, how so? It's because I'm able to like shove over, like I shove over like 400 overalls and I got like 3,000 rations there. So I got all yeah, these that, rations, all this that, and I just. That's exactly what I did with my base. I just bought like overalls, caffeinated infusions, and padded overalls in bulk and just shipped them to my base and just, just sitting there <laughs> being used. And that, that's what I mean uh, why I don't have a lot of liquid cash. I just always spend it on something like like consumables or base expansions. I never really have more than like 20,000 ICA just laying around. Ah, but you are you are you are spending it on base expansions, correct? Yes, base expansion ah, and consumables. Okay, there is a missing puzzle cuz uh, you were talking to me about this before the podcast about all this jazz and I'm sort of like is it just a bad business? <laughs> no, it's it's working. It's just like it's 20 like, to 15,000 a day. Suck? <laughs> How much I have it? not, I have uh, like 15 to 20,000 a day, maybe. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's decent. No, that's awesome, dude. Well, like I said, if you're looking for another base and if anybody listening to this podcast is looking for and they're, you're, you're in base number one and looking for base number two, Pairs Seal of Approval is going to Etherwind and setting up a DW base there. It is fantastic. Uh, I don't regret it by any stretch of the imagination. It is honestly probably one of the best decisions I've made in this game. I've made some bad decisions, but definitely Etherwind was one of the better ones. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good decision. 
Uh, speaking of bad decisions, <laughs> what a transition, I tell you. Speaking of bad decisions, um, I am now the governor of Katoa. <laughs> and uh, it was funny when I first started, and I think Lex, you can attest to this. I don't know if you ever were like part of the discussions, but um, my my platform really was <laughs> a vote for pairs, a vote for higher taxes. <laughs> Uh, and people were getting like, people were like, I think grandpa Canuck even in the podcast or even afterwards, like when we were chatting, was just straight up like, well, like, we'll see what happens. Like, I don't know. I don't trust you necessarily. Um, but it, it's been, it's been a weird learning curve for sure. Because one of the big things about governing for governing Katoa is that I always thought that there was going to be a lot of sort of like cut and dry components to it. I always thought there was going to be like, okay, I'm going to get this amount of money. I'm going to give my corporation this dividend. And like, we're all going to be, you know, walking off into the sunset, right? First of all, firstly, if you want to run a planet, okay? So this is my, this is Pear's learning moment for you guys. If you want to run a planet such as Katoa, it is not a hard and dry science, okay? The dividend payouts, like, so I was talking to Nick, who was the previous governor, the dividend payouts are all over the place. There's not like a, like there's not some sort of financial dashboard where I'm like, oh, here's the amount of money I'm going I'm going to make or I am making. It's very much like Sunday rolls around, I get money. That's it. And I and I don't know what that money could be, like that that amount, right? And so what uh what I'm doing right now especially is I'm figuring out essentially using these kind of government contracts with other players that have already kind of been supplying Katoa with various resources is being like, okay, how much can you give me a week and how much is this going to cost? Because then I need to figure out and make pretty much like an accounting sheet, essentially like a balance sheet and be like, okay, this is going to cost X amount of dollars. Cool beans. I'm going to charge X amount of dollars on tax. Right. And I think that's the big thing. And I mentioned that in um, Katoa politics, the Katoa politics channel and the UFO discord. Uh, I was sort of, I kind of said to everybody, I was like, eventually I'm going to probably raise tax. Like, I don't want this to be a loss. I don't want to be running at a loss here. I definitely want to be running at somewhat of a profit. Like, I don't know how much the profit's going to be necessarily. I'm I'm thinking anywhere between like 100,000 to 200,000. Like, I don't want to jack the prices so high that people are like, ah, let's vote pair out, right? Um, but the biggest concern I have really at the end of the day is like, you know, that we bring in somebody like... This is my concern, and this is why I decided to become the governor of Katoa, is because if I didn't, who else would? I, I guess that's the big thing. And the person that the person that decided to become the governor really is like either very new at the game, or just doesn't have a clue, or just is like a bad governor, right? And like Katoa doesn't need that, right? Katoa needs stability. And at the end of the day, that's kind of my that's kind of my game. That's that's what I'll do is I'll be a stable governor for for those that are interested in shipping product to, to Katoa or setting up shop in Katoa. So, yeah, no, that's that's kind of an update in terms of Pears World with regards to governing Katoa. So we'll see how it goes, see if I do a good job or not. <laughs> I have no clue yet. <laughs> the one of the big things I've noticed, especially, is just the sheer amount of, I guess, resources that I have to ship. Um, it's quite a bit, it's quite a bit of resources. Like I'm shipping, I actually have a spreadsheet already kind of built out. Interestingly enough, let me pull this up. So right now, oh, here it is. I need to ship 1,215 drinking water, 800 rations, 1,600 MCG, 1,600 PE. And that's every 10 days I need to, to buy that off the market and ship it. To, to Katoa and that's not get this that's not like that's the COCG or a COGC and so what that is essentially is like for instance every planet has like a manufacturing bonus or agriculture bonus or any number of bonuses right and if I don't provide that I asked Nick I was like what happens if I don't do this like what happens if I don't provide this he's like well essentially the COGC goes on strike and that bonus leaves so you no longer have that bonus and i was like oh shoot well i guess people want the bonus now 
The big thing is it's kind of weird because, like, Lex, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're producing fuel on Katua, right? Yes, I, I produce fuel on Katua. That is, that is my life there. Katua. Yeah, Katua. Katua. I like it. Katua. Katua. Well, well, make a new petition, add another O to the, o to the name. Katua. You know, this is one of those, like, I don't – uh, just I'll side topic, but you call it Antares. I call it Antares. Of course, the reason I call it Antares is because that's how Khan Noonien Singh says it in like Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Oh, Antares okay. Nebula. He's like, I'll, I'll run them around the Antares Nebula. And I just remember that as a kid, right? It's like, oh, that's funny. It just, it's one of those things. So I always say it Antares, but I have absolutely no idea Antares. how you're supposed to say any of these systems. I would say Antares <laughs> as well. Antares? <laughs> We should do like a galaxy wide vote. Just like, what are we going to call this, guys? We need to figure this out. But I have absolutely no idea what the correct pronunciation of Katoa actually is. I assume it's, uh, it, I'm thinking it's like a, I have to look it up. I think it's an actual like place in the U or the world. I believe it. But, uh, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah, this actual word, um, and at least a quick Wikipedia, it's a genus of cicadias. I don't know if that's what this is named after, but of course I have no... Oh, a bunch of nerds in this game. It's probably it's, named after that. It, it didn't tell... The thing is, I have no idea how to pronounce it, so I just call it Katoa and assume everybody else will. But yeah, I'm a fuel producer there. That's what I do. Yeah, and so, and I also do fuel, right? It's no secret that I do fuel, but like... There's been a lot of many, like a lot of manufacturing there, and it's funny too is a lot of people do electronics there as well because they uh, do EDC farming. Oh, you don't you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> so the taxes are actually pretty high on electronics uh, I, I engineers. Did, I, electronics. I noticed. I I did notice, and I assume when you say you're going to raise taxes, that's what you're going to raise taxes on, right? We're going to we're um, going to be there. Yeah, because uh, like people complain, they're like, oh, like taxes raised, and I'm like. Okay, if I were to raise taxes from like one thousand to two thousand, that is like a freaking drop in the bucket for you. No, because I know how much money you're making. If you're if you're listening out there, I know how much money you're making on electronics at Katoa. I'm I'm fully aware of that because we've we've already done the research. Um, so and and I'm not saying I'm going to. Like I said, I'm not trying to raise the taxes. I'm going to figure out exactly where we stand right now. What's the current situation? Once I figure out what the current situation is, get my hands around that. Then I'll then I'll really and and I'll tell everybody too. I'm not going to just be like, oh right, and the taxes are raised. I'll be like, all right, guys, I'm I'm going to raise the taxes here because this is our current budget and this is what we're trying to achieve. Right. Um, a, a big thing I've noticed is that Katoa's infrastructure isn't always supplied well. And that's like, it's kind of a purposeful decision. So like, for instance, there are certain things out there that like, we just simply have never supplied to Katoa, yet we could, right? There's just like, like the art cafe has some things like COF, for instance, right? Or other things. What are some of the irregular things that are actually here? I'll give you guys a list. So some of the irregular things that are out there, uh, medical stretchers is one, PFE, whatever PFE is, soy and UTS, those are the things that are kind of considered to be sort of irregular. So, uh, but yeah, so there's various amounts of things that are sort of irregular that are not produced or not supplied. And I mean, it doesn't really affect anything. The big thing, and I've, I've talked to governors before about this is as long as everything is sort of, everybody's kind of happy. That's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the kicker. Right. So, yeah. Anywho, so we are going to move on to kind of a new segment to some degrees. This might be a reoccurring segment in the sense that it might not reoccur every week. Probably a bad word to describe it, but um, yeah, we'll talk about it every once in a while. And that is corporate comms. So this segment really is about what's happening in nascent mercantile, kind of things going on. Now, obviously, we're not going to spill. We're not going to spill the tea. Or is it spill the tea? Yeah, it's spill the tea. We're not going to like tell everybody our trade secrets here, what's going on, but just kind of give everybody sort of an update as to what's going on in, you know, in our corporate life. Because a lot of people ask often, like, you know, what's the point in joining a corporation, right? And I mean... I, I've heard every excuse underneath the sun as to why people don't join a corporation. And I get it, right? I, I get the idea that people are like, I 
don't like grandpa connect the other day right saying you know he kind of wants to remain a free thinker and i mean large import that's that's kind of what we are but actually one of the first things i want to talk about is actually getting serious so lex when you first kind of heard me because you kind of maybe saw the memo so I, we have this memo channel uh, it's like a private channel within our corporation and I was just kind of talking, I told everybody essentially that I was like, okay, if we actually want to start doing shipbuilding, like we need to start getting serious about this whole shebang. Uh, well, to be completely honest, I think my first thought is you're a busy <laughs> man. So I'm glad that you are uh, figuring out ways to, there's going to have to be some delegation, but the basic principle is sound. I, I will say from what I'm seeing that there are a number of people in the corporation that want very defined goals and want to participate in it. Not everyone does. I would say we've got a mix of just kind of interested to, boy, I really would like structure depending on the person. Boy, I and, really like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and apt. I think, and I think that shipbuilding is, I think that's a key thing. I think that's, I've got pretty strong opinions about how critical ships are to allowing really interesting late game activities. And so I think that's really useful as a goal. I think it's going to stretch our capabilities because it's going to require things from us we're not used to. And I'm interested in seeing if we can get there easily. I would say that in some ways, I'd almost say that it's between a like an informal corporation and one that's actually doing things is the ability to do a project like that. And so I'll be curious to see how well that goes. Well, and you know, one of the things I've been talk like th talking to myself about a lot, a lot recently is kind of ruminating on is sort of like how does like people like corporations like GTU get it done, right? Because um, they must have a dedicated player base. Because the big thing you you said at the very beginning, and I'd like Curium's thoughts on this as well. You know, you said that people, excuse me, you said that people are interested in like concrete goals, right? Concrete goals and concrete aspirations. But one of the things that I feel like we're going to struggle with is that people aren't willing to put in the effort necessarily to make that happen, right? So what I mean by that is like, I'll give you an example. And I was kind of actually, Kiriam, you kind of heard my, <laughs> Kiriam heard my TED talk in the applicant channel. I forget who I was chatting with. I was chatting with like a new guy that just showed up. But I kind of said that like, if we want to get serious, like the bare minimum, the bare minimum to actually like, so Lex, let's, let's go with you for instance. Okay. So I consider you one of the more active members in our corporation, right? So you're a very active member. You're, you're engaged in all this jazz. Now, let me ask you this uh, and be honest with me here. How often would you say you check up on the game? Uh, probably four to five times a day. Yeah. And there's probably some people I would dare to reckon, uh, reckon, to probably check up on the game like once a week, right? Yeah. And it's like, I hate to tell those people that are like, oh, we want concrete goals. We want to do this. We want, like, I like the game because it doesn't take up a lot of my time, right? That, right, that kind of sentiment. If Prosperous Universe isn't taking up a lot of your time, you're playing it wrong. <laughs> well, that, that, there is a, I, I will slightly disagree, but. I, I, there is a version of this game which can be played slow and very not involved. But it's just one type of game, right? It's just one thing you can do. You're not going to build ships with that approach. It's just not going to happen, right? You're, you're not going to get into shipbuilding if, if you log on once a week. It's not going to happen. But then again, you're probably not going to care because you, know, you log on and do things once a week, you that the things that large scale shipbuilding are going to bring to the game to you aren't going to be things that you're going to benefit from anyway. Reality. Well, and that's kind of it is that people that are sort of like, so people come to me, right. And they're sort of like, Oh pair, we want to do like, give us concrete goals. Right. And I kind of explain somewhat of the sort of goals we have right now, but you've probably, have you been kind of taking a look at my uh, work in the production chain channel? Lex? Yes. I have. Yeah. So why I'm doing that is because definitely I'm sort of beating the drum of the seriousness <laughs> of the serious, which, pair. which is, which is good because so, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a perspective and you can, you can agree, disagree. So for me, the number one change that happened when I went to graduate school 
right because I, I did my undergraduate and then it was time to go off and and do the fancy stuff i was like i remember sitting in the hallway and it was time to do the homework and everyone was doing the homework and as an undergraduate i'd never actually seen that like usually the project was done by like two people and that's how everything got done <laughs> and and then in graduate school, it's like everybody was jumping in, and that—that's a reflection <laughs> of the, of the different levels of professionalism and engagement, right? It was, the, you, you don't you don't do a PhD program if you're just going to sit on your butt. Like it's just not something you can realistically do. And so, there are going to be a lot of people that just don't want to go through all those steps, and I'm not going to blame them. But in practice, no. many many times when you deal with this kind of thing. Essentially, what happens in practice is that you end up with a, a relatively small number of players that end up doing most of the work. And that is nothing new about that. Like, that is just normal, almost kind of the way it is kind of thing. And you have to, you know, I've, I've had friends that run um, guilds and WoW. And if their leadership's not there, <laughs> things don't happen. And that that is a fundamental truth that they have had to come to accept over time. And and it really is just one of those things that, like it or not, is just true. And so you have to, a lot of times people will participate if they are given instructions that tell them how they're supposed to. It's, I, I, I did an experiment with my, I'll just tangent, I did an experiment one time with my very good friends. I have guys I've known for years, nothing but respect for. And one time I was just like, what would happen if this week I just decided every activity we we're going to do? Instead of seeking group consensus, I just, they want to go to dinner, let's go here. It took probably about four days before anybody said a word, and I was deciding every place we went to and every activity we were doing. It's just a natural human thing. And I, I learned a lot from that experiment. And I think you're going to run into that as a corporate leader is just part of being a corporate leader is you have to define those things and you have to insist on other people following or it just doesn't happen. So what we've learned here today, folks, is Lex experiments on his friends. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the, that, is, that is the statistician. Uh, <laughs> Every, everything to us is an experiment. There's, there's some truth to that. Little did little did Pear know Lex is experimenting on Pear right now. <laughs> oh man! But no, you're the, true. The reality, the reality is yes. A lot of the development that's going to happen is going to come from you as an active leader choosing to 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 take on those roles, and people respond to that. A lot of what people are saying is, "Tell me what to do, and I'll follow." And not everyone is, of course, but many. That's a lot. A lot of people are saying to you. And you're getting a little bit of that and you're having to react to it. That's just my opinion. Well, and here's the problem with what you're, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Everything you're saying, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. The problem though, is that this isn't freaking wow, right? This isn't wow where you can be a freaking panda picking flowers in a field and, and you're part of a guild, right? That's not this. And I dare say that there's no such game like this out there on the market. Uh, the game I can come closest to would be like EVE Online. That is probably as close as we can get, right? Um, because the biggest thing here, and, and this is the this is my deepest, darkest fear. Okay, get ready. This is my deepest, darkest fear. Well, I have two. But one of my the biggest problems I'm facing is that people are coming to me being like, oh, Para, like, what should we do, right? And I'm like, okay. This is what you do. You do this, 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 right? If you do this, 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 this should take you about eight months to do, right? Eight months, come back to like, you can, and the, the, the big thing that irks me too is that like nobody, like you do and there's other, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that everybody does, but like there's definitely people that are like not really engaging in anything. They're just kind of like lurking and I have half a mind to just kick them out of the, uh, kick them out of the group. And I don't want to. Right. I want I want everybody to be participating, but you're right. I'm facing this. And the biggest thing, because what I'm what my biggest concern is, is people are going to come to me and be like, OK, pair, what do we do? And I'm saying, OK, you do this, this, this. Right. And you're going to get you're going to get money. 
right? That's what we're going after right now, right? We we all kind of were like, okay, we're going after liquidity, right? Liquidity is the thing because we were all like, what's well, going to cost us millions to do this? But the biggest issue, the biggest issue is then they're going to be like, what now? And then my my problem with them, well, not problem. I don't have a problem, but my the, the problem they're going to face, let's go that direction. The problem they're going to face is that now I have to say to them, okay, this whole like you are active like once a week shebang or you check the game like periodically or you don't even respond to my DMs till like the day after kind of thing, it isn't going to fly anymore, right? There's going to be this wall because then it's we're going to have to get serious, right? Where it's like, okay, so where are we with this? Where are we with this? Because it's so complex. Like it's so freaking complex that it's like, we're going to have all these smelters doing this thing. So if somebody comes to me and says like, so Lex, if you came to me tomorrow and we're like, Okay, pair, like I'd like so you have all this chain set up for shipbuilding, right? Fantastic. Okay, where do I fit? Where would you like me to fit? And then I'd be like, you know what, Lex? We got uh we need some more metallurgists to produce some metal for us. Can you can you do that? And you'd be like, sure, I got some I'll set up some smelters and we'll spool that up and make it happen. I'd like, fantastic. But then if like you ghost me for a week and we we were kind of expecting and I'm not saying you are, but I'm just kind of giving an example, right? You know, if somebody were to ghost me for a week and then like, but we were expecting that production, right? Then it's like, it throws everything through a, through a loop. And so that's kind of the, that's sort of the paradigm shift I'm facing right now as a corporate leader is I'm sort of like, there's these people out there that are like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, well, what, like, it's sort of like right now, it's funny you say experiments, like that you're running experiments on your friend Lex. Dare I say, I'm sort of running experiments on everybody here in the corporation, whether, whether I actually define it as that or not, where it's sort of like, okay, are you active in the game? Right? Yes or no. If yes, come on, come on down to, to pairs ship emporium, right? If you're not active in the game, if you don't make it very apparent to me that you're active in the game or active in the corporation, how am I to trust you? Right? That's, I think the big thing is it all, it boils back down to trust, right? At the end of the day. I would completely agree. And, and this gets into I think a problem you fully identify, which is that we are fundamentally in a group game if you go past the simple steps. And that's not to say that people can't play the game other ways. They, they can, they will. But, but these production chains were not designed for mere mortals. They, <laughs> I mean, they, they are describing it. I mean, these are really complicated, super messy things that you know, I look at and I'm like, okay, I, I think I kind of get what they were going for here. It sort of feels like they overdid a little bit. <laughs> and and that's that's often my feeling about about the supply chains in the game. It's just this sense of just nothing in the chain beyond the basic stuff is easy enough to be done with just one person having a good time on a weekend. Like that's just the way it is and it's not going to get easier. hundred percent. And, and, and that's okay. That, that's actually not really a bad thing. It's just the way the game is and you just kind of have to get used to it. And well, you, you learn to learn to love it or it's not going to, you're not going to have success. And I, and I think I just look at the game and I, and I see that, that reality and I just go, okay, that's, that's what you have to do and you have to accept it and so be, so be it. Right. This is one of those things. And, uh, you know, I just, I look at it as, as just a natural byproduct of a complex game and it's complex systems and that that's the way they designed it. And it works that way. And you just kind of have to go with it. No, hundred percent. No. And well, and you, you were kind of struggling. I would say that, they built the game like an MMO, right? Like that's what the end game is. Like, it's funny. The beginning is very much single player, very much. It is like you can play this game single player, no sweat, no problem. Right. A long time. Yeah. Very long time. Right. Almost a year. I would dare say, but definitely like it is, I don't think like, so I spent an entire night on those. So what we're doing right now in the corporation is we're building out these massive flow charts. Um, and how we're building these flowcharts, one of our courtmates' bed time, he built this amazing software called Prosper. 
fantastic piece of software, super powerful, and it shows sort of all the production chains, right? Shows how they are constructed, but it shows the really advanced stuff too. Like we're talking like a BR1, which is a bridge. So like the bridge of the ship itself requires all these pieces of software and all these components that I don't even know where half of this stuff... No, I don't even know where like 99% of this stuff comes from, right? And so what I realized though, what I have recognized especially, and this goes back to kind of, you know, learning moments with Pear here, is that what typically, let's go with like like metallurgists, for instance. So every, so the ship itself, like, so if we were to take every component of the ship and lay it out, what we'll see is that every component needs like aluminum, for instance, or silicon or lithium or iron or steel or this. And all those components come from smelters. So it makes no sense for us really to be like, okay, let's build like seven smelters on seven planets. No, let's build one smelting planet and let's ship all the resources to that one planet and make that happen. But the logistical sort of undertaking to make that happen to some degree is going to be insurmountable. It's going to, it's just going to be mind boggling complex. And, um, the unfortunate thing is, and I, I dare say, cause like the problem is, and I think Lex, I told you the story and Curium, maybe I told you the stories too, but I'll, I'll tell for the listeners out there. Um, before Prosperous Universe, I played a game called Squad. It was a, it was a mill sim shooter, lots of fun. And I joined a clan. Uh, it's not really set up for clans, but <laughs> I joined one nonetheless, mill sim clan. And the problem was, is they had, it was a very large clan. They became large and very powerful clan. Um, the problem though is, is that they didn't really have an aspirational wing of their clan in the sense that there wasn't like a lot of players is like, you could be casual and play the game. No sweat, no problem. Have fun. Right. And that's cool. But there was the group of us, a core group of us that were very much like we play the game every night kind of thing. And we are very proficient at this game and very good. And it's like the clan didn't really have any room for us there. Right. And so then I go back and relate it back to us and where we are at currently as nascent mercantile. And, you know, unfortunately, I would say that maybe we're at that state right now where we're coming over the hedge of this kind of casual sort of like, oh, that's nice that you play the game like and you check up on things like once a day. But it's like, no, like we're getting to the point now where it's like, okay, you want to get serious? Like, uh, and I don't know. And Lex, maybe we can take this chat offline. Uh, and maybe I don't want to get into the weeds any further with it necessarily. But, um, you know, what will this look like for us, right? I know Lex and actually Lex we so on Tuesday we kind of had a chat saying we had a chat on Tuesday being like okay we need to reschedule this podcast um but one of the things I said was I alluded to that I wanted to have a chat with you Lex about sort of my thoughts and one of the thoughts that I've been kind of humming and hawing about is okay how do I now delegate things right you you said it well yourself Lex I'm a busy guy and I am I'm a busy guy and I have my limits right I have my logistical limits and I have all these other limits, right? And now I'm the governor of Katoa. <laughs> Does make things easier. It does not. <laughs> and so I have all these limits, right? And and so it's like, okay, now I need to delegate things, right? And you saw, kind of alluded to it, Lex, about, you know, like having a coordinator, right? Like, so having a welcoming coordinator, having somebody that like interacts with the applicants and answers any of the applicants questions about what's going on right and sort of vets the applicants for yay yay or nay right so somebody that's like the welcoming coordinator and then we'd have somebody that would be the shipping coordinator right somebody that essentially plans out how everybody's shipping things and kind of keeps on tap keeps tabs on people with regards to shipping products and how we're going to do this right and then somebody that's like the planning coordinator right somebody that's kind of planning out the routes and planning out like how like how much quantity we need for all this jazz, right? So I can't do these. Well, I can, I can, but it's like they're like you said, Lex. Something you said to me really resonated with me the other day about the fact that it's like, yeah, like I have gifts and abilities for sure, but other people also have gifts and abilities that might surpass the gifts that I have in that department. So although I could logistically figure out the planning and scheduling and all this jazz, somebody else must might be like. 20 million times better than me at that right yeah and then you make like maybe you can have like head of resources like you could have like 
fuel, someone who manages all the fuel production, someone who manages all the agriculture? Well, I'm thinking along the lines of like ship production mainly, right? Well, ship and consum- um, consumable production, because that's kind of, they're two in the same sort of pod, right? So it's like that we have somebody that's in- that would do, uh, figure out the consumables for all this jazz, because that's, that's an undertaking alone, right? And then figure out somebody to do, do the other jazz, right? So what's your guys' thoughts about that? Yay or nay? Do we do, does nascent mercantile need coordinators? I mean, we do at some, at some point. Because <laughs> if they, there will be more people in nascent mercantile and there's only one C pair, <laughs> you can't uh, like delegate, delegate all of it. So you need people who like take a certain sector of uh, the corporation and manage that instead of you. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> you are not wrong. There is only one of me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very true. And, and so it's something I'm thinking about. It's something I'm definitely giving a lot of thought into right now. Um, because, and then really at the end of the day, the other, th- the other thoughts I'm having especially is sort of like, <sighs> it's like, I don't, I'm not like, sure be in the corporation but i almost like i don't want to be like okay do you really want to be in the corporation like do you really want to do this like that's that to me is i'm looking for those players right that are looking to like okay sure nascent mercantile might have 40 players in it right now right of that 40 who's actually interested in with me going all the way right and i need to find those players right i you're going through a phase that happens in the development <laughs> of these. No, seriously, I've I've been doing the massive multiplayer thing for longer than some players have been alive, which is terrifying. But uh, Talk about it's me, one guys. of those. Well, <laughs> actually, I do think that the first time I played a online game, you weren't yet born, which is just terrifying thought to me. But the uh, but the reality is is that I've seen guilds, clans whatever often go through the same basic stage want to start out as casual we all want to have a good time we'll be casual casual works for a bit and then people just sort of want more they always want more there's so many things you can't do casual that the casual players who wanted to stay casual end up essentially making the players who want to do more unhappy so you end up having a split that happens every time where you end up sort of having a group of people that want to stay casual. They go to their little casual thing. And then I will say nine out of 10 times that organization dies of the vine. It, it, it just, there's not enough going to keep players involved in a casual activity and, and like any game. I, I've, I've seen this a thousand times. And then the less casual group ends up essentially pushing themselves either to they've got a couple of organizers and they kind of keep it going or they get real serious or they decide they want to define the game. And by the end, it's like, if you don't have this, this, and this, you can't join. Right. So there's, there's all <laughs> kinds of, stuff that, Hey, like you see it in, and wow, or you can't join, this isn't a guild thing. You can't join our raid unless you've got the following 50, you know, pieces of equipment. <laughs> oh, right? but, but that, but that's an optimization problem, right? If you want to build ships, you have to do certain things. To do those certain things, you have to be able to rely on people. You have to be serious. The problem ends up compounding until eventually you have a group of people that are all willing to be serious or it doesn't get done. This is like, this is nothing new. This is not a new phenomenon. You as a, as a leader of the organization are going through this phase. You started with a casual mindset. You wanted to have casual fun. You wanted to do some interesting things. And now you're starting to realize that for most players, casual just means I want to lurk in the back and do nothing and contribute in no meaningful way. And as someone who is actively contributing, this bothers you. And then you get the inevitable complaint. Why aren't we doing anything? Why can't we coordinate? So there's a group of people that really want to get engaged that don't feel engaged enough because there's not this super heavy activity. And yet you started with the, I didn't want to have to do a super heavy thing. So I'm not the first, this is so not my first rodeo. And it won't be the last. This is this is a very common phenomenon. It, it's it's a timeless problem. Um, I see this in board gaming groups. I like to play long games. <laughs> Most I, 
I, I will play the 18x X series. That's like if it's not 10 hours, to, you know, then it's then it's a short game. <laughs> the tutorial's my, 10 hours. <laughs> but no, no, the actual game itself. A, a sit down and play a board game. Take 10 hours, start to finish. Right. That's not uncommon for those games. Now you, there are a lot of them that are shorter, but you're talking four or five hours of concentrated time. That's beyond what most gamers are willing to commit. So I end up having to have sort of a select group of people that are willing to do that long activity. And then nine times out of 10, I have to sit there and play the casual games. Everybody else wants to play board stiff. Glad that people, (laughs) well, I I look at it as at least people are playing and a, a portion of those casual players eventually decide they want something more serious and you end up with a more concentrated group of serious players. So it does, there is a, there is some selection procedures going on there, but that's all you're dealing with. And right now, the problem is you're you're a governor, so you got to deal with that problem. You're running a podcast, you got to deal with that problem, and you're running oh, into. Oh, it's not a problem, dude. I love okay. this. Okay, yeah, I, this is so much fun. These are things you have to solve, right? And so, like, one of the reasons I don't volunteer to fill in that organizational role. One, I got a regular full time job that can get really, really stressful around crunch time. Makes it difficult to commit. A lot of people have this, but you know, it's, I'm at that point in my career where I sometimes I'm the senior guy, and if I don't do it, it doesn't get done, right? So you, you end up in that situation. And, and there, there was a point a year ago where basically a billion-dollar system depended on whether or not I was showing up for work, right? You just I've been in that situation where it's like it's not going to happen if I'm not doing it. And so you, I prioritize that, right? But just understandable. But, well, yeah, exactly, right? It, it's now you know. There's good things to come from that, but the other issue is I'm doing the podcast, and I realize that I don't have enough time in a week to properly dedicate to a podcast and also be a major organization organizer of what's going on in a corporation. I just can't do both. It doesn't mean that I don't want to. I think it's an interesting problem. It's just if I were to divvy up my week and say, what can I really give my focus? And I will say the good thing I'm seeing in nascent and just to bring it back to the corporation specifically, a few people, particularly much more experienced long-term players, are starting to pop in and give some thoughts. So I'm seeing the beginning of some self-organizing structures within the corporation to deal with these larger goals. And I think that's good. And you know, I, I will say the corporation is changing. The podcast is, is having that effect of bringing in people that are listening to the podcast they get interested in the corporation. I think a lot of corporations don't have that. Um, you know, as we're a young corporation, but we've got some relatively engaged people, which is a really good thing. But yeah, this is this is normal, and I don't think it's going to change. Bear, I think this is the this is the you are going to have to debate with yourself, and you're going <laughs> to come up with an answer. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you go through it, and I'm like, I have heard this argument decades time and time again i mean i've i'll never forget a game dark age of camelot i was in a uh, just a sort of casual guild and we had this meeting of like 15 guilds and we all organized and formed a big powerful alliance and it was you could tell there was this moment of okay guys we're we're done playing in the little leagues we want to we want to we want to join the big leagues we want to be with the big boys and you could feel it in the meeting not everybody was okay with it not everybody participated, but it had to happen because we'd reached that development in our organization. People wanted more than they had, and that required some organizational structures. So this is nothing. You know, this is nothing new. Is what I'm really so. At. No, you're that Lex. You've made some excellent points, dude. Um, let me ask you this though, because this is on my mind. Is this something? Is this something that? <laughs> I feel like this has gone away from a podcast to like CPAIR's therapy session. <laughs> um, is this something that I organize? Like, is this something I enact tomorrow, like cold turkey? Or is this something that I gradually bring in over a month? I would do it slowly if it's me. Give people time to make some decisions about what they want to do. See who's really interested. Um, and then reorganize around that. That's that's what I would do. And I wouldn't take a month. I might take a couple of weeks, but I wouldn't do it really fast. So, Kyrian, let me ask you this. What do you think about, like, as being somebody relatively new to the corporation, what would you see as something being reasonable in terms of, like, requirements? 
what would you say is being reasonable? Like that people should be at least like at the beginning, at least like active at least every two days and then later every day, because you need that, especially when you get like larger production chains where you have to like check up every day to keep them running. Okay. That's very, a very simple answer. I like it. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting more, but <laughs> it's like, yep, every day. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's totally fair. No, that's, that's a good point. And I mean, yeah, it's something we're debating definitely in our corporation right now. And I'd be, uh, if anybody from GTU is listening, I'd love to get your guys' input. Maybe that'll be our next, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll reach out to the GTU's leader and see if I can get him online and, uh, have a chat. That'd be a very interesting, I'd be very, we could take up three hours of podcast time just chatting about his his journey because you know be funny Lex is he's probably had a similar journey <laughs> he's like yeah GT was probably really casual at the beginning but uh... I mean it, it's not everybody obviously goes through that same cycle some people do I just want to be super hardcore but I would say that almost anybody that starts out soft and sort of casual ends up going through this debate it's, yeah. it's sort of inevitable in these games yeah no 100% Cool. All right. Well, we've almost hit the hour mark here. Uh, we're just under the hour mark, which is fantastic. Uh, so one other topic I wanted to kind of bring up before we head into Lex's portion of the podcast here um, is sort of just chatting a little bit about NPC contracts and what's going to go on there. Now, have you guys, Lex and Kiriam, have you guys taken a look at the at the recent uh, announcements today? I think it was today. I've looked at it for a bit, but didn't really. Here, I have a proposal pair. Why don't we give everybody five minutes to go read it and come back and discuss? Sure. Yeah. That sounds good, dude. Do you want to take a break right now? Yeah. Uh, Give everybody a couple minutes. It's been an hour, and it's a great time to stop and give people a chance to read it so that we know what you're talking about. I don't don't have any problem doing that. Yeah. No, I love it. Okay. 